Introducing Minor Wisdom Quintet. This had to have been the longest year in one week that I've ever had, and I didn't even do that much because we went back face-to-face. We had freshmen on Monday, sophomores come in on Wednesday, juniors and seniors on Friday, so in theory, sophomores, juniors, and seniors all got a couple days off, and it meant that they were asynchronous, uh, even though we were supposed to get them engaged online somehow and all that stuff, even though grades weren't taken. It was... It was a mess for teachers, but it was even more of a mess for schedule makers, and I do not envy them. I hope that they never have to go through this again, although something tells me they will in term three. But uh, it was was the best that it could be for the situation that was presented to everyone. Now, senior teachers, you guys had practically a, a whole week off in our district, so... Uh, good for you guys if you're listening. I, I I don't know how many senior teachers in Fort Bend ISD are listening to me right now, but uh, and you're probably going to argue that you didn't have a week off because you had to deal with schedules and this and that. Well, you had a week off from teaching, so uh, don't come at me. But it was uh, a very long week, even though it was rather simple. The other thing that I did this week with uh, my cohort, with Miss Jessica Swafford, was we recorded and edited and produced and performed and whatever you want to say a show and we did that we did it virtually we recorded it with our students in front of a green screen at the school and they were socially distant we didn't have any of the students together none of them were in the same room with us we were in uh, our green room and we recorded one student at a time and when they weren't recording they were off in the auditorium separate and masked up and when we were done with them we let them go home. So it was actually a pretty simple uh, sort of t- uh, task, a, a simple way of recording, if you will. Uh, the editing, however, oh my goodness, I now know why it takes so long to edit movies. Uh, I, I was very kind of, uh, I was I was a little, my eyes were bigger than my stomach. Is that is that something for this? Yeah. I, I thought I could do this in a day easily. And then I ran into some complications, and it ended up being two days. And so it took two days. Now, I'm not an editor, I'm not a movie maker, but it took two days for me to edit down to a 35-minute show just to get the, the words in for the, from the script. It wasn't, it didn't have sound, it didn't have effects, it didn't have anything like that. And we sent it off to our students Tuesday morning, and we said, come back with notes. And I'm not going to lie, they were appalled. They were absolutely just like, we can't show this to anybody this is horrible. And they were right. I mean, it was at that point, it was horrible. But three days later, it's something to be uh, proud of. I think everybody that was involved was actually in, ended up being proud of things. It's kind of like, you know, we tried to explain to the students that your show is not ready at the first tech. And that's what it was. That's what we showed them on Tuesday morning. We showed them the first tech. And so we had time to edit things. And that's what we did. So uh, we, we showed our show uh, Friday and Saturday at 7 p.m. It's a 35-minute thing. I'll say this. If the publishing company wants to come get me, then fine. But if you want a private viewing, I can always send it to you. It is not out there for the public. But if you want to see what we did, 
it's out there or, or not out there, but it's it's in my computer. I can send it to you uh, if you'd like. If you'd like to see what we ended up doing, everybody's doing something different. I know my boy Josh Hearson at Seven Lakes High School did a Zoom play. Uh, I know that Clements High School did uh, a, a live you know uh, play as well. So everybody's doing something different. I'd be curious to find out from other people if anybody did record something and then stream it later and not do the live thing. We just didn't trust dial-up internet. Uh, that modem is just way too loud to trust. You know what I mean? So throwback to the late nine days. So uh, speaking of my guest, no, I, that was a horrible transition. I apologize. But Rachel Gomez was my guest this week. Another UIL uh, office person, and that is great. I'm fine with that. I mean... I got to get to them at some point. So uh, I was very excited to interview Rachel personally because, and, and I'll mention this in the interview, but my school now, Travis High School, has competed in UIL design for the past few years and has done well. I have never, ever, ever as an educator or as a student competed in UIL design. So I am, that's my challenge this year is to get kids to kind of lead me to UIL design, and hopefully they are successful. She did announce at TETA, TXETA, that it will all be virtual. So UIL design will all be virtual. That's not a secret anymore because she did make that announcement there. Uh, so if you're just hearing that for the first time, then, hey, you know, breaking news. Doo -doo 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 -doo. Uh, but yeah, it is all virtual this year. So that should be fun and interesting. Uh, and we shall see how that goes. I hope everybody's doing really well. I hope everybody is being safe. I've seen some stuff on social media regarding stress and just taking care of yourself. You know, you got to remember, and I tried telling my wife this, you know, these kids right now are just happy to be doing anything. And I know that there's the stress of like, well, I could die, you know, that's uh, kind of a thing. But uh, I hope that that teachers and educators and administrators and everyone, not just theater teachers, but I hope everyone is able to take a second for themselves, even if it's just a second. My superintendent's very big on mental health and making sure that you are filling your cup because you can't pour out an empty cup uh, to these students. So I do hope everybody's taking care of themselves. Reach out to me, man. Um, I'm here. I'm willing to talk through things. I, I've actually haven't had a huge problem with this whole ordeal, not to say that I'm like lax about it, but... I just think you got to take everything as it comes to you and adapt and change and try to figure it out as best you can. And hopefully we get through this on the other end uh, unscathed. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy this week's interview. It was a really fun one. It was, it was somewhat quick. I would actually, it felt quick, but it didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't that short, but uh, I've had shorter interviews, but this one was, it was fun. I feel like we got a lot of information out from Rachel and uh, I really enjoyed talking to her about just kind of her background, because I don't think a lot of people know about her background, being down from the valley and stuff. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy this week's podcast. Uh, make sure you hit me up on Twitter or Facebook or anywhere that you are socially mediated and uh, talk to me about whatever you want to talk to me about. Enjoy Rachel Gomez. I started out in this profession as Rachel Canfield. Um, I was... Um actually a crazy kid who was did some theater and stuff like that up in Michigan um, where um, I was in high school at the time and in the summer I came down um, 
well, I did theater in high school and I thought it was really cool, but I, I liked music and choir. And so I thought, well, I'll be a, a teacher, but I'll like double with like choir and theater so I can do musicals. And so I went to college to do that, but I was in Michigan. And at some point about halfway through my college education, I came to Texas for a summer and just happened to visit the UT campus with a friend who was going to like check out the music program or whatever. And I was like, wait, what this plate this state has this this contest so everybody has a job and it was this really cool thing and and there was this lady named ruth denny who was like this magnificent person at ut like there was just so much going on. i was like going they teach you how to teach theater to kids i mean this is like crazy cool so i was like well, i'm down i and i just transferred i transferred from western michigan university where i had a fabulous education and i worked with some great people and learned a lot about theater um, and I used to say I got my education from them and my degree from UT uh, about theater and how it worked. But I really learned about theater education and the UIL system while I was at UT because back in that time, that was part of your education was working for UIL. It's like Lynn Murray and Ruth Denny were my two teachers. And so literally when I did my student teaching, I had the two of them sitting in my classroom watching me at any given time to make sure I didn't screw something up or whatever. And of course you had to work the UIL one act play contest, but I had never done any of that stuff in high school. So I was totally fascinated by all of it at the college level, loved it, thought it was amazing and just kind of got started doing it. But I thought everything should be like staked. So my very first job I go to, I'm like out there and I'm at the one act play thing. I'm like, what do you mean? We don't have like eight schools and here's our spike tape and this is what we do at state and da da da. Got off started. Um, I actually, one of my weaknesses was design. I liked to direct, but I ended up working. Um, when I did my student teaching, I worked with Debbie Bentley at McCallum High School, and she was wonderful. And she was married to Rick Bentley, who was a technical king. I mean, he taught me everything I knew about how to build platforms, stairs, and walls. And I was good to go after that. And so he kind of gave me that, that great, great start while I was kind of doing that to do technical stuff. And I set off to be a one hit wonder. I don't mean a one hit. I mean like a one hat wonder, like one of those people that has to do it all. And I, you know, you have to be there and you have to be the director and the designer and all that kind of stuff. And my early design stuff was, was pretty lame. I always tell people my story, but I did picnic and because we only had one set of UIL doors, I only one house had a door and the other one just had an opening. <laughs> I mean, it was ugly. It was terrible. I don't know. Um, but over the years of just seeing this process and watching UIL, I started up competing and I eventually ended up in the Valley. Uh, Lynn Murray sent me down there. I thought it was a punishment. Um, I thought he was trying to get me as far away from Austin as he could because he was tired of me or something because, uh, you know, we just always would butt heads and everything in a great way. I love him. I, I, he's like my dad. So, I mean, I can say that. But um, he told me about the Valley and he thought it was this cool place. And I was like, well, sure. Are you sure about this? I didn't even know it existed. And it was way, way, way down in South Texas. I'm, he really wants me to go far, far away. But I got down to the Valley and um, I ended up just falling in love with it down there. It was just such a beautiful place to be and to work and theater was so valued down there and it was so exciting. And there were other, you know, theater teachers that were excited about it and got together and collaborated. And I mean, it was just this amazing place to be. And that's where I really got involved with theater, really got busy doing stuff. Taught down there forever. That's where I met my husband. So those people that don't know, my husband, Robert Gomez, he and I ended up eventually coming together at PSJA Memorial High School, working there together. And um, just, it, it was just an amazing experience, just like family theater. It's like mom and pop drama, whatever it was. It was just absolutely awesome, loved it. And um, we were able to continue working with people. It was just 
a big old family. And um, from there, they got me doing theatrical design because Brian Honnell and Jackie Zapata at PSJ North were going to, they just went to contests and they saw this theatrical design thing and they went and they started winning. I mean, like they went because it was very small today. So they come back and I always tell people, John Taylor, who was a fine arts director there, and I always plug him too, because I think he's awesome. But he um, he said, well, hey, if they're winning that, why aren't other schools doing it? And I'm like, oh my God, like we needed another thing to do. You know, it's like, we're really busy with one act and our other shows and blah, blah, blah. And like, here's Jackie and Brian. And they did whole in-services on how to put it together, whatever. And so we're like, okay. So we competed and did kind of okay at it. Um, but things being what they were, we decided um, I needed to move closer to my family and ended up moving up to Austin. Robert finished up in the Valley and he moved up to Austin with me. And I was at uh, Bowie High School for a while. And um, because I was, we just, we didn't compete with theatrical design there under me, there was another teacher doing it. So I just was kind of back out of it, kind of judged all this kind of stuff. and just, you know, kept, busy as a judge and um right about the time when robert was really sick the summer before he passed away i was literally at capital conference and louise pulls me into a room he says i'm going to ask you something and you have to say yes <laughs> and i'm like okay what because i needed i need somebody to run the theatrical design contest and i needed i need you to do it it pays like nothing but I really think you're the person to do it. And I was like, well, how do you tell Luis Munoz? No, you just tell him, okay, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Where do I start? And he said, in five minutes, there's a session starting go. And I was like, oh, good Lord. What are you supposed to do about that? But somehow we did it. And it has been, ultimately, it's been my therapy. Um, it's what's helped me get through uh, and stay connected to theater, even though I've retired and all this kind of stuff. It's really held me close and kept me with people that just absolutely love doing this, I guess, or they wouldn't torture themselves this way because who's going to add another thing to their plate? But um, theatrical design just kind of embraced me. I embraced it. I've got some wonderful people that have been doing it longer than I have that keep coming back and supporting and saying, hey, what have we tried? Or have you ever thought about? And it has just been growing and growing. And I'm super proud and humbled by it and just, um, just, I just love it. So I, I'm glad I get a chance to talk about it. So that's the long and the short of it. I hope I'm somewhere in between. Yeah, no, that's that good. Of well, don't, well, yeah, it's don't, a long and storied past I have. Don't reveal the secrets of what I told you before we uh, started recording. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. no. Yeah. What, happens yeah. at, what happens at podcast yeah. stays at podcast. Yeah, I, I've never once told Steward that story. Uh, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> Your oh, secret whoops. is safe with uh, me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thanks. Um, so... So the, the Ruth Denny connection, uh, I had that uh, with a couple of people now because of going through University of Texas. And I mentioned this last week about my my introduction to Ruth Denny was that I went to HSPVA. And so yeah. oh, uh, wow. Bob, Bob Singleton also thought the world of, of Ruth Denny, rightly yeah. so. Uh, to, for you, because I, I don't think you can talk enough about Ruth Denny, but for you, what is the legacy? What is the impact that you feel she has put on the state uh, as far as theater is concerned, or even just theater education or education or whatever you feel. I love to say that I'm the kind of, I feel like I'm the kind of person that always ends up discovering things late in the game. Like I came to Texas not knowing her. I had no idea. I mean, one of those things where you're like, you're in the presence of greatness and you're so stupid, you don't even have a clue. And I'm just like, she's just real nice. <laughs> and she just, what I would say about her is that she's just the real article. She just taught me to be the real deal and like to be who you are and to love kids and all kids. And 
they all have something to offer and they all had, they all need us. And they, there was just this, this spirit about her and this love for doing it and passion that I just was just like, just totally entranced with. And because I only got to go to UT for two years since I transferred in, um, she literally, my first year there, took me under her wing, took me to TETA, which was at that particular year. I think we stayed at the Gunther Hotel of all places. It was back in the Gunther. It was a way back in the day. I'm dating myself, of course, at this point that I'm really as old as people believe I am. But um, she introduced me to every single person at TETA. Like it was a couple yeah. of us students that were there with her. And I mean, we were in the presence of every great you've ever known yeah. or can ever imagine. So I went from being stupid person who knew nobody to knowing everybody who was anybody because she felt like we needed each other, that we right. needed to be connected with everybody, that nobody could do this job by themselves anywhere in the state. We all needed each other. Yeah. And so I have just, I, I, I've like been to TT ever since because she told me we needed to. Yeah. So, it's like, it's um, like the, I, it's the cheers mentality. Yeah. It's you, you, sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name, that kind of thing. Exactly. So. <laughs> but I even want to go there and nobody knows my name and I don't know anybody who's still there at certain points because I'm so old. I still just love to be there and be part of it because I know that that's where, that's where the next great thing or the next big piece of information is going to be revealed or brought out or something, some connection is going to happen there that's going to change the world. And I yeah. just, I have to be there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I will keep going as long as I can. Yeah. No, that's a good, good mentality. What is, uh, what part of Michigan did you grow up in? Oh, Lord, let's see. So I started off in Texas and my family moved us to Pennsylvania when I was in about the fourth grade or so. And at that critical juncture between 10th and 11th grade, <laughs> we made this crazy move from Pennsylvania to Michigan. Uh, uh, I was in Grand Rapids, okay. graduated high school in Grand Rapids and then went to Western Michigan. So apparently I like to go to schools and switch halfway through the process. Right. I did it halfway through high school, halfway through college. It's kind of <laughs> weird, but... I guess that's how I, my brain figured out it needed to work. But um, I loved being in Grand Rapids. I love being, I miss the fall, <laughs> all those kind of things. But they certainly didn't have the kinds of theater traditions and stuff that we have in Texas. It was, it was right. treasured. It was something fun. It was something people did, but just not as integral into school and education as what we have in Texas. And yeah. so that's just been, you know, it's like the rest of y'all are all missing out. <laughs> so that leads me to my next question. And, and this can be drawn from Pennsylvania as well, but. And fall cannot be your answer, even though you, you've already said it. But what is something from Michigan or even Pennsylvania that you would like to see implemented in Texas? As much success as Texas has had with kind of cultivating theater uh, in the high school realm and now even in junior high, is there something from one of those areas that you would love to see actually applied uh, to maybe contest or just education in general? Um, I absolutely loved my school situation in Pennsylvania. I credit that with everything that I ever did and became. We had, um, in the sixth grade, I actually went to a middle school. We were what they call homogeneously grouped, which they now say is such a bad word, but this school organized the students in that school by their fine art credit. You were either in band or orchestra or choir and they organized your schedule with other kids who were in those things. And they still had theater after school and did a musical or did things like that. But 
it, there was something about being in a class with the same group of kids and getting to stick together and really get to know people. I had the same kids in my, in my class of 30, even though it was a big middle school, my same class of 30 stayed together all the way through three grades. And there was just something about knowing that group of people really well. I don't advocate for homogeneous grouping um, in that everybody in this class has a certain uh, education level or an ability level. Um, but just the idea of getting the opportunity to get to know people in small groups like that, I think was really valuable. And the high school in Pennsylvania was also, um, it was so crazy cool and it's scheduling and the way they did everything. We were on this really weird sort of schedule back in the day, but there was a real value placed on vocational education or any kind of thing or any kind of path you could possibly imagine. There were courses available for you. And it was just like, it was almost like a mini college situation because those programs were countywide. It wasn't just at your school. So they were able to offer so many opportunities. And so, I mean, there was going to be something super cool for you to do while you're in school and to learn and to do at that level. And you were doing all of that kind of stuff. You weren't worried about early college or all this stuff to be already in a hurry to get to the next thing because high school had so much to teach you and do while you were there. And I wish we could get back to some level of that. Because yeah. I think right now we're trying to either rush kids off and try to get as many college credits as they can get in high school. Uh, we're trying to give them high school credits in middle school. And it's like, let's let them enjoy the time they're there and explore like we used to. And figure out what they're good at and what they love. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I like that, you know, again, not to keep bringing up HSPVA, but I'm proud of where I went. But we had the same format. I mean, that's a very similar yeah. format to PVAs because we stayed with our kind of cohort. cohort. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we that. stayed with them throughout the whole time and, and I'm still very tight with uh, a majority of them. So uh, Facebook I think some hurt. of the colleges are even realizing that now. Yeah. I feel like, um, I, I know just from, you know, I don't know, I don't get to talk to a lot of colleges that often, but um, when I was looking at University of Houston, I know that they have been really active in trying to get a cohort system, like having a dorm, like where the dorm where the kids live together that are in certain programs, you know, just starting to understand that our kids in a day and age where we're more connected than ever, kids are actually less connected than ever right. and giving them those opportunities to get together and be with others and support each other in a big familial kind of a, a sense. I think it's just, I think the more that we can do that to connect them and keep yeah. them with real communication, we're just going to, that's going to benefit them so greatly, especially in these crazy times. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that. And that's a good answer. Now fall of course is the real answer. Epic. But yes. Epic. I miss the leaves <laughs> like crazy. I miss sweater season. I miss going to football games where I'm not hot and sticky yeah. and sweaty. And <laughs> cause I love it. Yeah. I love being a part of everything. And that's, that's why the high school thing too, we got to do everything. Even though it was a huge school, even whatever, you got to be in whatever you wanted to try and do, sports, arts, everything it offered, and you could just do it in spades. And I just, I love that. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's good. Uh, the the not being sticky during a football game is, I don't know, you know, as a Texan, I went to an LSU, I want to say it was LSU Alabama <laughs> many, many years ago, I think in like 2004, 2005, and uh, it was freezing. I was I had to buy an LSU. The way to go. Well, I had to buy an LSU sweatshirt, and I'm not a fan. Oh, I'm fan. sorry about that part. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, I quickly got rid of it, but I it spent like forty bucks just because I I was freezing. freezing. Uh, yeah, but that said, if I'd shown up prepared, maybe I would have had a better time. But um, you got to be prepared for. I mean, yeah, you have to have a whole closet full of gear <laughs> yeah, to live in any place that right. has winter or fall. But right. I just kind of miss that. I, you know, the, I miss four seasons because I love things about every single season. You can't beat Texas in spring. No. 
I will, you know, you just cannot yeah. beat Texas in spring and you can't beat the fall in, in the East coast. Um, yeah. so yeah, yeah. No, I, I hear that. I don't, I don't know what that's like. I'm a native Houstonian. So, but, uh, <laughs> it's, it's summer and fall. There is world besides hurricanes. Yeah, what can we say? Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> well, uh, so, uh, going into the theater world a little bit, when do you, you mentioned that you, at the beginning, you weren't great at design and, and all this stuff. When <laughs> do you, terrible. when do you feel like, you know, when do you feel like you turn the corner? Uh, did you ever have that light bulb moment? The, the, I did. Oh, I, I did. I, I will tell you, I did that because I've always loved it. I mean, I've, I, I have a lot of art background because I got to take art classes all through high school and things like that. And I know what good composition is and texture. I know all the art side of it and I know what I like. I just didn't know how to get it all built and put together on stage. And I, I gradually, when I found myself at teaching in the Valley and getting to be not by myself. When I got to work with a partner at that point, I was working with Mr. John Farr, who I also miss dearly. Great, great fun theater teacher to work with. Um, he and I worked together and he was like, well, let's all just do everything. We'll all help and we'll all work on whatever. I said, no, 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 no. Now that I'm getting to work with somebody else, I really need to work on tech. I want to develop our tech program. I want to really learn, you know, they tell you, you teach best what you most need to learn. I'm like, I need to learn some tech. I need to learn how to build better. I need to learn how to design better. And by being allowed to do that, by being given that opportunity to do that, it didn't take away from my directing. It just gave me a chance to hone those skills because so much of the time when teachers are coming out of college, we were getting a little bit of everything, getting thrown into it to have to learn a little bit as you go along about everything. And so it just so gradually, eventually earned your way up when you can just stop and focus on one. It's like, wow, you can really work yourself and get better at it. And having had that opportunity, that's all I needed was then I could go and I could learn from some different people, um, the local college in the Valley. I went and did a summer program there and learned how to do some set techniques and work with some different tools, whatever. And I just started learning at that point. And then of course, love it. And my other secret weapon, not going to lie, I am an HGTV addict. I have watched enough hours of HGTV to have built 20 houses from the ground up. And I feel like I could, even though I don't, but just that, you know, just learning what good design and what comes together and how people live and how people represent themselves in their environments has just been, it's a great love of mine because I feel like that's just something that, um, that's the part of it I like. I'm creating an environment either for characters or I love. Now, even in my retirement, I'm working in home remodeling and I'm helping people like work in their homes and make their homes like the ultimate set design to live in, you know, so I just, um, I love creating environments and I think that that's just, um, that's been being allowed to explore that more in detail has made all the difference. So speaking as somebody that kind of went down the same path as that and watched (laughs) a lot of HGTV with his wife, uh, I... I've got to say, it, they make it look really easy. <laughs> oh, I know. I know they do. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I could build a house in a weekend. Yeah, exactly. But, um, Just, <laughs> yeah. I, I know better, but I have learned how to do certain things quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, there are some formulas to things. Like there are some, there are some hacks and things oh, sure. that, you know, um, my favorite hack of all time is that plywood comes in four by eight sheets. And so every single thing I ever built on stage four by eight. had a multiple of four. You know, it's like the walls are going to be a multiple of four. Yeah. And guess what? When you're drafting, then it's easy. They're whole inches. I, I, I am like, yep. I can simplify this to make it for dummies like myself. Yep. And we can make it beautiful. We can do what we need to do. Um, I'll tell you my other uh, secret inspiration is like working for districts that had no money next to districts that had a lot of money. I was not about to be beat by the pretty stuff. 
So our kids learned how to, you know, I, what's the Ann Richards quote, backwards and in high heels. We learned how to faux everything you can possibly think of and make the most old ragged piece of cardboard or plywood look like solid gold if we had to. I mean, it's like because we just weren't going to be outdone financially when we could just work a little harder and make it look the way it needed to look. So my ultimate favorite thing is that thing where they show you like the designer look and it's like, oh, but we did it on the cheap. I live for that stuff. It's like that is ultimately the challenge that I love to teach my kids. And I've even had more of my kids come back over the years and say that's the most important thing they ever learned was how to look good even when you had no money. Right. It's, it's, I mean, <laughs> or to be able to make that happen on yeah. a budget because, you yeah. know, Mandy because that's Connors. what the real world does. Yeah, Mandy Connors made a, a a living off of that stuff now. So Amen. Yeah, and bless yeah. her heart. I'm so glad she has that cardboard lady. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, the the um uh that's it's funny you say that. I, there are a couple of schools that are on the on the higher side of income that still I know some directors still adopt the let's use uh trash bags and found Everything, items yeah. and things just to get the kids learning how to make something out of nothing and I think that's a very, very valuable uh, skill. So well, see, and it's also now it's all on trend because of all of our um, like what we talked about last year, the sustainability and like why aren't we reusing things? That used to be the ultimate goals was to be the theater that would build a set and then just get rid of it all and then build the next one. You know, it's like everything was disposable and people could come and pick up pick through your leftovers. But you know, now we're learning that that's you know that stock scenery or things that we can build and yep. reuse and and how much lumber and, and teaching kids that you know, what to save and what not to save and, and what we can do and what we can build out of something else. Um, it's now it's on trend. It's something yeah. that's important that everybody's realized we've been doing it forever, not even knowing how cool we were. I'm, I'm just glad to hear you say the four by eight thing, because I've been that way as a set designer, <laughs> uh, you know, everything. Yeah. It's, it's by twos or, or even, you know, ones as well, but solid, there's yes. no reason to get into three sixteenths of a, of an inch. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I can't, tell you how much I appreciate somebody of your status. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that does give, it all in yeah, four. Yeah, giving, giving me that sort of, uh, 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 I can't even think of the word, but you, you've solidified my my design style. So thank you. I appreciate it. It worked. Uh, you know, honestly, it was because we had no tools to cut anything. Right. And you're also <laughs> looking at the size of a pickup bed. Yeah. You know, the first few years of things that we would build, we had a, a drill a circular saw and um, a jigsaw. We pretty much built everything with those tools and, you know, with hammers and nails and on the back of our shop, you know, like on, literally we had like a little loading dock that was kind of like our, that's what we would like hold the wood on and like try to cut and do. So anything that we could do to simplify it measurement wise or anything else and cutting wise, we just tried to try to keep it simple and do the work with the artistry. You know, it's like you can do a lot of things with basic, like like Rick Bentley said, walls, stairs, and platforms. <laughs> so, uh, what is a misconception about the valley? Because you even said yourself that you thought maybe Lynn was not punishing you, saying go I to thought, the valley. Yeah. It was yeah. it was punishing. I meant like as far distance. away from him yes. as possible. Yes, and, like, and you, just you to, need to go just, to the ends of the earth so you can be as far yes. away from me and still be in. Just distance. to clarify um, that, that you were meaning just a di- he could have said. <laughs> Uh, El Paso or Oklahoma or, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah, But, uh, but what is, you know, there is a, a sort of, I guess, um, stereotype of what is produced in the Valley and, and what comes out of the Valley. What is a misconception? And there may be multiple misconceptions. 
I, th I think for the longest time we were um, just nobody even knew what to make of it. We were like down at the, at the, you know, I didn't know anything about it until I first went and learned and visited and said, oh my gosh, there's like a whole other earth down there. It's like, it's a huge area. It's a large population center. You know, you talk about the big, like the metroplexes and all this kind of stuff. Well, the valley, because of its proximity to the very large cities in Mexico, is like another metropolis. And so it's huge. There's a lot of people, a lot of schools. Um, and culturally speaking, they value, they, they've learned to value the arts. You know, we talk a lot about uh, Gilbert Zepeda as being kind of like the, the father of doing that. There were some people that were doing it before him, but he kind of popularized it in the central part of the valley and got his schools on board. And as that district grew and other districts around it, um, it was expected that you would have a theater program because PSA didn't. So if you're next door to them or whatever, everybody else is like, if they do, then we should have one too. And building up that sense of competition. And um, one of the things that we learned pretty early on was that um, a lot of people didn't know about us. And so we needed to change that image a little bit. And so we were like, well, we were in the, the, the almighty, you know, region four, are we region four? Yeah, this is what is the San Antonio down. And um, we would go to contest and hear these things called like the judges would all go to region four at that point back in the day because, you know, Luis was there and all these people that all those big powerhouses were in San Antonio at the time. And a bunch of judges would go there and they'd call it the real estate meet and they'd all be there. And you'd hear them talking about clinic this and clinic that clinic, 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 clinic. And we'd be like, what the what the what what's that? So we were like, hmm, we decided we'd have one. And so, you know, asked about it and learned about it, asked Glenn what they were. Uh, got Luis actually started coming down and helping us out in the valley for a long time because he had been from the valley. And so we were like, just started reaching out and finding out, getting people, the more people that went down there and got to know that area, the more of a reputation that they would take with them because they would enjoy their time. They would see what was going on. They would go and talk about it in other places as well. And it's just been kind of slowly letting people just realize that um, there's a lot of people in an area that care about the arts and want to be competitive and viable. And for our kids, I felt like a lot of the time, um, theater was their way to see the world. Because when you're that far down in the valley, you don't travel much. We would have kids who had never gone up north past the checkpoint. Some of them hadn't even gone to the beach, which is not that far away. So all of a sudden we we're doing tournaments with them, like the speech tournaments, because we were doing the whole nine yards, the speech tournaments as well as one act and all that kind of stuff. And that would be sometimes the first, those kids would be the first exposure they would have to go into other parts of the state, anything else. Um, but what I found out about those kids was that they just wanted something to love to do. I mean, they needed something to latch on to. If they weren't an athlete, even though some of the athletes joined in as well, as, as well it was just something that um, they just started seeing something that was successful they wanted to be a part of. You make them feel good about being there and accomplishing something and then the community values it and recognizes it and all of a sudden it's just what we do and so i think that that became like their reputation it's one of the best byproducts that they have in the valley is its theater programs right what is uh i'm gonna jump way ahead in your timeline sure. what is what is something you did immediately after you retired for you Wow. Well, honestly, uh, retirement was at a very awkward time because yeah. that's when Robert was at his most ill. Right. Um, and so I feel like um, even though it's not one, even though this is kind of funny because the theatrical design, uh, the director for the state contest, it's, you know, a lot of people, I think, think I work at this like big um, building called UIL and it's this big 
place where you go and I have like a fancy office because I'm really yeah. important now. Like it's up in the clouds. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I I, I, I equate <laughs> it with like the great city of Oz that it's really just David <laughs> behind a big thing like that. You know, it's a couple of people that make all this magic happen. Right. But I think the thing that I did for myself was it's like I made it, even though it was not maybe um, as important in terms of like the role or the big job that it was, I treated it like it was. Right. I made sure, I mean, it's like, oh, well, I'm going to need a new computer for that. So I went out and got myself, you know, it's like, what what does Jana Riggins have? What kind of computer does <laughs> she have? Because I'm going to need that now that I'm at UIL. You know, it's like I started like just embracing the idea that um, I may just be working on this contest, but I don't have anything else to do right now. So I can bug them a lot yeah. and I can be over there and I like these people and I want to work with them. And I just embraced it as my new um, my new tribe, my new people to do things with. And I've loved getting to be a part of like the student activity conferences and the traveling and that kind of thing. And I like to tell people that um, it doesn't pay much, but it saved me a lot in therapy. You know, like having to grieve your husband, you're going to end up, you know, seeing a therapist. I, I was able to stay so connected and so loved by doing this job that I just said, you know, it, it's been it's been my therapy. <laughs> so, well, what do you what do you miss from the classroom right now? And uh, you can't say fall. <laughs> I can't say fall. What do I miss? I miss being with students a lot. I think that that's the thing. Obviously, most teachers do. It's like all of a sudden you can't be in the classroom with kids because that was always our favorite part of it was, of course, the kids that we worked with and that sense of family. I get it again every time we would do student activity conferences or something. All of a sudden, it's like I'm around kids again or when I'm at TT and I'm around teachers again. I miss that, you know, that back to school feeling and all that kind of stuff that right now everybody's missing. You know, I still, my mom would still take me school shopping for my school supplies and, you know, being a part of that whole school setting, it's been my whole life. And so I, I miss that part of um, just being part of that academic setting. You know, it's like now I'm functioning from my craft room right. that you can see behind yeah, me in yeah. our conversation and it's just not the same. What is a craft that you do? I do them all. Um, you do them all. <laughs> like, do you still I do them make all models? in my mind. Okay. I, I'm not going to lie. Okay. I'm one of those hoarders that, like, I have supplies because I'll hear somebody talk about something at convention or something like that, and I'm dangerous with my phone, and I, like, one-click on Amazon and order it so I can do it later, and then it's over here on the wall. So <laughs> you're probably buried. And I'm convinced I'm going to need to use it for a workshop or something like that, but... Um, Ultimately, I like to do a lot of home decor kind of things, like a project or something that can be, you know, used around the house, decorate something or whatever. But um, I, I'm always convinced I'm going to need them at some point. So uh, I'm going to wrap up with something uh, UIL design related. Okay. Uh, and it's it's a very simple question. I don't know if it's a very simple answer, but... Uh, we'll try. I, I, I've briefly mentioned before we started recording that I'm entering a school that has uh, a history of competing and doing doing relatively well, but I have never personally done it. So uh, talk to me like I'm the person moving from the north, uh, Pennsylvania or Michigan, and okay. I'm being introduced to this world of uh, UIL design. What what is it? What should I? Why should I do it? What is it about it that that I should get my kids motivated for and and all that? Honestly, as far as teachers go, I think that the biggest the biggest thing that I have people say that once they joined and done it is that the kids that end up getting 
recognized through all of this, it makes such a huge impact and difference on a group of kids that you've never seen impacted like that before. I mean, I think even Paula, like when her first year of being at state and being at the awards, I think it like brought her to tears just seeing these kids that are like, I mean, scared to get up and talk in front of anybody, like getting up there and getting, you know, a medal put around their neck and changing their life in a way or getting scholarships and things based on it's like just seeing that the impact that it has on the kids that can excel here that don't get to do that on stage or in any other way. It's just that that part alone is worth just being involved in it. Um, the biggest excuse that we get for people not doing it other than the fact that it's like, I'm already doing all these other things and I don't have time is I have a lot of people that say like I was like, I'm, I don't know design that well. I'm not a designer. I don't know anything, but um, as a theater person, you've seen good design and you know, like ideally in your head, what you would think would look cool if you were directing that show on stage. I think the best advice I can give you is to be a director to your kids in terms of the feedback when you're looking at their work. If you read through the prompt that's there, because you're going to go to the website and you're going to see the prompt and it tells you what the play we're doing and the kind of the approach that we want to take. I think I've mentioned it at some of our workshops. That's kind of like the, that's like your side or that's like your assignment as the teacher is now. You are going to play the role of a director who wants to do this production this way. And so all you have to do is your kids are working on it is to say, hmm, as a director, I'm not sure my actors and actresses can move around on that stage enough. Oh, you know what? I was thinking about that actor in that one scene. They can't wear that costume and do that part. You know, like think like a director and treat your kids like the designers and then let them, you know, give them the time, the resources as far as like, hey, there's some great YouTube channels on how to draw costume renderings, you know, whatever it might be. Don't assume that you have to know everything in order to teach it to the kids. What you mostly have to do is get them excited about it, put the script in their hands and talk about it and get them excited about wanting to do it and then just roll with it and play that role. Of, mm, it's like our production meeting. No, 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 no not going to happen that way or whatever. And you don't even actually have to direct the play. So it's kind of a bonus. Um, although I've had a lot of people over the years, like after they've done the play, they're like, when well, the next year they want to do it for one act because they want to do their kids' design yeah. or there's been a cool concept. And um, so there's always like that kind of play around with it. So I hope that helps. I hope that makes you like glad you made the decision oh, to take the plunge. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a, a designer. I'm a designer by trade. And, I, you know, I also am one of these people that needs a new challenge every year or I get mm -hmm. bored or stale. And so this is that challenge, you know, and uh, I need the new play during the play I'm working on. I need to know which one I'm doing next because when my head gets like yes. too like bogged down in this one, I, I have to have like that little spark of what the next one is going to be. So Right. And and some kids do that too. Some students mm -hmm. will, will uh, you know, the oh, first night of tech week, they're like, all right, that was a good tech week. Hey, by the way, when are auditions for the night? <laughs> you know? Exactly. <laughs> so I yeah, totally get that. They don't fall that. far from our tree. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. They, so they I, like I totally understand that. <laughs> Minor wisdom!